Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, episode 43. I'm Michael John Simpson. My co-host is the fantabulous and ferocious Kitty Brown. Our guest is voiceover actor Kevin M. Connolly. We chatted about train wreck, voiceover acting, demos, the VO industry, anime, Shadow Stevens, audiobooks, Batman the Killing Joke, Mark Hamill, DC Comics franchise choices, Wonder Woman, Marvel Comics films, DC vs. Marvel comic book TV shows, Ant-Man, and comic book collectibles. Excelsior! Here's episode 43 of the Something Something Experience. No, that's okay. 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 All right. Okay. Well, have been having a good weekend? Mm-hmm. Yes. So did you finally see Trainwreck? I did. I saw Trainwreck and fucking loved it. Wasn't it awesome? Thought it was really, really good. Yeah. Um, of course, my um, my fem- feminism brain kicked in at the end and started questioning a couple things. Mm-hmm. But then I had to just kind of like trust Amy Schumer yeah. that she of of what her intentions were because mm-hmm. at the end, well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it seemed like. For a minute there, it was a little bit guilty of, oh, the woman has to change in order to make the man happy. Yeah. But it was more of a grand gesture, but it was a woman doing a grand gesture instead of a man doing a grand gesture. Which was what I fucking loved. Like, it was her making... So they kind of took all the tropes and kind of flipped them on their ear. And I really like her um, little peppered... Uh, social justice comments mm-hmm. kind of peppered throughout little yeah. sides and stuff like yeah. it's like something somebody said something about um, gay people what are mm-hmm. what are they gonna be like she's like uh, like people you yeah. know and, and so that was kind of <laughs> cool but and I loved there's a lot of stuff in there and I, I I've been going back and watching inside Amy Schumer seasons one and two mm-hmm. and I was almost expecting to see um, jokes that a lot of times artists will, will when they write something like the first time they write a feature they'll put mm-hmm. a couple of things in there Monty Python did that and some other people did have done that too yeah. um, where there's bits of their other material kind of woven into something mm-hmm. newer but but it hasn't happened yet so I, I was there was a couple times where I was like this kind of feels like oh no they're not going that it way it did feel a lot like her show like oh, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. definitely like in that vibe sure. but it wasn't you know like sure. pieces from her show but well, what, I, what I liked is like you know it was about her and yes. she wasn't the passive one falling no. in love it no. was completely no. her on her terms and I think she wanted to change more for herself you know, than for uh, Bill Hader's character. Exactly. Yeah. She, when, because the whole thing about feminism is about choice. Yeah. Is about a woman being able to choose for herself how to have a life, how to, how to have her, how to shape her life. And, and I assume and, you're explaining this for our dear listeners and not Of me. course, of course, <laughs> of course. But, the, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that for me, that's how I see feminism is about choice, is that, um, so if you want to be a housewife, be a housewife. If you want to be an, a badass executive with shoulder pads, be a badass <laughs> executive with shoulder pads. If you want to be a, you know, purple-haired, Muay Thai, German longsword fighting goth queen, then do that. Yeah. And like you do and um (laughs) and so so yeah so that was the whole thing of of she was rallying against that life that Mm -hmm. just being 
a little pigeonholed woman yeah. thing that everybody thinks she should be. Yeah. And kind of falling in line with the way her dad kind of fucked her up, uh, you know, and uh, of completely rejecting that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she found her own balance and her own truth. And yeah. I think that's ultimately yeah. what the message is, is mm-hmm. she found her own truth for herself and nobody dictated it, forced it upon her. Totally, totally. And like I said, you know, the biggest thing for me was, like, it was a story about her and not, like, her falling in love or passively, like, finding a guy and her life getting better. It was a story about her as a person. Right. You know, at the core of it. Because right. that's the thing I hate about romantic comedy is it's always like, my life is bad, but then a man came and fixed it. Or like, <laughs> I'm not fulfilled, but then I got a husband. You know? Yeah, like right. Some other right. dumb bullshit. Right. So... Yeah, but we've been we've been talking for like almost five minutes, and we haven't even said hello to our guest. Hello, hi, Um, Kevin. Yes, tell us about yourself. Mm -hmm. Tell you about myself. Uh, Well, my name is Kevin M. Connolly, and uh, I'm an actor and uh, voice actor, and uh, that's about it. That's what I do. Cool. Yeah. That's that's. I have to say. Uh, you probably get this all the time, but um, that that is actually my chosen career. But I have yet to make that happen yet. So yes, it's, it's very challenging. Yeah, I, yeah, it's been a long road. I won't I won't lie. I've been doing it since uh, 2004, but I began researching it about 2001. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in uh, uh, I was doing my grad work at UCLA. Cool. And there was a guy uh, in the class behind me named Vic Trevino who many older listeners may remember from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was Ricardo, the world's strongest man. Right, oh, right, right, okay. right. And we took a, uh, we became very good friends because we're both from San Antonio, and we had an independent study together. Cool. And Which means we made our own schedule, and one day he said, uh, can we meet at 1 instead of 11? I've got a voiceover to do. And I said, oh, okay. And so uh, we changed the, changed the time, and like, he came over. I said, so what's this voiceover thing? <laughs> And uh, he, at the time, he was the Spanish spokesperson for Midas. Ah. And so he went and did that, and he said, you know, I'm here in Sound L.A. Sound like a golden opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Exactly. I'm terribly sorry. So sorry. Sorry. You should be. Uh, sorry. Comedy brain. Never it's all toys. good. Uh, so he told me, you know, he was there in L.A., or here in L.A., and then the producers in Chicago and the directors in Philadelphia, it's all phone hookup, and mm-hmm. he was there for about half an hour and made quite a nice amount of money. And yeah. I was like, I need... To research this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was this before the internet? Because oh. you said it all happened over the phone. Uh, no, well, no, no. What happens in the, in the studio uh, is what's called a phone patch. Mm. Uh, ISDN. It's a... It's it, really interesting. Somebody, on a real phone, like not a cell phone? No, no, on a real phone. Because wow. it's, it's still used today because it allows you to record over phone lines. Okay. Using the copper wiring. It's weird. Somebody thought about this when they laid it's down... It's kind of like the... the Godfather to VoIP, voice over IP. Right. Um, uh, but you're using an ISDN line, which is basically half of the full bandwidth of a of a bank of phone lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A trunk is a hundred phone lines, and when you use ISDN, that is a half of a T1. A T1 is a bank of a hundred. Using half of that, and all of your voice, the it's for one one voice 
session basically yeah. for mm-hmm. one one voice communication. Yeah. It's okay. using half of the bandwidth of what a hundred lines would use, so the quality is very high. Yeah, and yeah. studio quality. I, mean, I, I think Patrick Stewart would do that a lot when he was doing yes. Family Guy. They would yes. do a phone oh, patch to London. Okay. They do that a lot. He records it, so it just allows very high quality recording over the phone. Yeah. There's usually yeah. two ways for remote, remote recording. You either you either do a thing where you where you're on the phone with them and you're giving them direction, and they're recording on their own recording equipment. And they ship the tape or the CD or yeah. the whatever to you. The right. tape. Right. Well. <laughs> that's, that's, they still use tapes and, yeah. and wow. CDs and stuff, but um, di- digital technology. digital tapes. Um, but uh, or you do the direct ISDN, ISDN feed, right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just began researching and, and buying every voiceover book because at the time, you know, it really wasn't taught. You know, oh, it's such no. a small little niche. Yes, yes, and a very uh, protected, closed. very protective. Yeah, which is you know why you would hear the same guy doing Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. In New York and Chicago and Seattle and Washington because it is the mm-hmm. same guy. It's using you know now obviously with the internet it's opened up a lot more. But um, uh, I just began researching and reading books and just asking actors you know do you do voiceover what kind you know what 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 you know what what do you, what don't you do mm-hmm. you know compared to you know like some people can do the trailer voice I can't I'm not a trailer guy you know but yeah. I can do audiobooks pretty easy all know? right so just learning about that and then. Um, my very first voiceover class, uh, I'm sitting there, and this is in Dallas, Texas, and there's a guy two seats down from me named Mike McFarland, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, we're introducing ourselves, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to master's in acting, but I don't know anything about this. And he says, I've been a writer, director, producer, and actor at Funimation for the last five years, and I'm looking to branch out. Hmm. And Funimation is an anime studio. Yep. They and do uh, Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. so... I'm thinking this is a guy I need to talk to. He came up to me at lunchtime, and I took my contact info, and I just spent four years doing it. Mm. Wow! And now I do stuff at home. Yeah. So this is this is my ideal career, and this is yeah. I, I I've always kind of everybody says the same thing, exact same thing to me, which which for me has almost become a, a dismissive statement, which yeah. is, well, you got to have a demo. Yes. Great. Okay. What? So I just go home and say, and just go blah 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 into a thing, and then hand it to somebody. That's not going to do any goddamn oh, good. No, no, no. I have to have some kind of structure. I have, and that's the part that I've always kind of struggled with getting past that next step because I have demo stuff at home, and I've done some voiceover back when I was an intern at a radio station in Denver, right. and mm-hmm. I've done some. Um, obviously, I have a podcast, and and yeah. um, and I've done some. Very small work. I mean, some of my stuff actually got on the ra- on the air and sure. on the radio station. Yeah. But what I've been wanting to do is is pick somebody's brain in order to be able to get a demo together, in order to get it something that I can show somebody and say, "This is what I really want to do." Well, absolutely. And and the first thing, and this is what people hate to hear, is get someone else to produce it. <laughs> sure, that's fine, and that's fine. That's the thing. That's that's the biggest thing. And be ready to be prepared. Sadly. To pay anywhere from six hundred to fifteen hundred dollars for it. Okay. But, Where does one find a producer? Uh, there actually, there's a ton of them around here. Right. Uh, just, but like, just seek out voiceover. There's a lot of voiceover studios. A lot of voiceover classes, uh, and a lot of them will have engineers, and the teachers will often also be demo producers. The first thing though is to find out what kind of voiceover you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you, you've got commercials, you've got uh, promos, you've got medical narration, you've got doc, you've got uh, uh, industry, you've got museum narration, you've got uh, animation, which is different than video games, which is different than doing ADR, which is different than doing audiobooks, you know, and now people have demos for each specific section. Like, I have an industrial, a commercial, and an animation demo. Wow. Because 
you know, usually these casting directors only want that one specific thing. The, the, the idea of the general demo where you have like a little commercial and a little character voice, that those days are gone. You normally, I mean, if like if you go to voice123 or voices.com where you can audition for stuff, it's called pay for play, you'll see people with 10 demos. Because it's wow. each. I actually have a voices.com okay. account and, and I started you know exactly what I'm trying talking. to put some things together. Right, yeah. Um, you find the niche where you want to work first. You know, like I, most of my stuff is animation and video games. That's know? pretty much what I want to do. Right. I, I do a lot of voices, a lot of accents, um, mm-hmm. some uh, um, impersonations, not impressions. Mm-hmm. I do some impressions too, but, right? Um, and because there is a difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to character voices, pick your top three mm-hmm. and pick the top three that you can slam out of the park. At any Every time, moment. right, right, yeah, because yeah. um, it does change from time to time. Sometimes you can do, sometimes you can do Nicholson, and sometimes you can't. You know, right. I mean, it's like, right. but there's those two or three that you really you, you've got to have the, the people. Money. Those one, there's, there, I'll, I'll do, I'll be riffing at work or something, and I'll slip into a voice, yeah. and somebody will stop and and do that kind of head yeah. back shoulder twist thing of, wow, you sound just like that person. Sure. So yeah, well, so, if you do impressions and impersonations too, you know. But again, they have got to be spot on. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I was talking to a guy at Disney one time, and they were going to have Michael Keaton do a voice, mm-hmm. and it came up with some scheduling conflicts. He couldn't do it, but the producer said we we need Michael Keaton for this. So they found a guy who literally his speech pattern and his voice sounds exactly like Michael yeah, Keaton. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, you know that's it, it, it's it, less it, about doing a character and more of doing an actual. Person's voice exactly. pattern. Yeah, you and again, they've got to be solid, solid, solid right, because right. there's probably about a, at least a hundred other people that you're up against. Oh, of course, exact of course, same thing, of course, you know? of course. So, but but character voice wise, yeah, you pick your top three and and just make sure they're solid. That you know, like I, I had a, a, a voice acting coach that he didn't know his agent did this, but his agent named his character voices. Mm-hmm. So he took that idea, saying, "Well, I'm going to go in with this voice. Oh, this is Mr. Johnson." And that clicked in his head to say, and now this is his voice. Mm-hmm. Or he'll draw a picture of, of his three characters. And so you can take a look, look, that's what he sounds like. Okay, now I've got it. You okay. know, that kind of thing. Cool. You know, but yeah, it's, it's it, to have it solid, solid, solid. I, that, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I put together a little demo when I first started, and it just sounded so horrible, you know. And, and then also not realizing that it has to be super specific and super spot on because this is um, there's a, a guy named Adrian Cronauer mm-hmm. oh yeah um, who's written you know played by Robin Williams yeah yeah Good yep. Morning Vietnam yep. but he wrote a book on voice acting and uh, even though with the internet and how it's opened up because here we are recording at home I mean sure because yeah. equipment that's affordable I think it's still especially in animation video games which I'm still having trouble breaking into here more well have you done anything for animation in video games that like any of us would have heard of um well if you play League of Legends okay uh there is a playable character named Vlad Mm -hmm. and that's me Cool. Vampire. He's a vampire. Okay. Well, well, you know, he's a blood lord. They say, oh, he's not a vampire, I, I guess. Mm. You know, but but it, but this was, here's an interesting example of what can happen because of this character. I, I recorded it four years ago for League, and then about a year after, I get an email from the studio saying, hey, uh, he's getting a new costume, mm-hmm. so we might need you to come in to record some new lines. We don't know yet. And so they said, are you available this week, this week, or this week? I said, I'm I'm here all three. Let me know. And then I didn't hear anything. Mm. And then about six months later, when I was putting my website together, I just for kicks, I went on YouTube, and sure enough, somebody had somehow pulled the original recordings and put them together in a little YouTube, like, you know, here's Vlad. So I'm like, oh, here's Vlad. This must be me. So I click it. Somebody else. It's a completely different person <laughs> for that one costume. So, 
Um, I mean, I'm still the main voice, but if yeah. you buy that costume, it's a, I mean, it's a great, I mean, deep, great, deep voice. The lines are more serious. The dialogue I have was very cheesy with lines like, you know, go ahead, be negative, you're just my type kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where the new lines were much more serious, and so I can see why they went with a deeper voice, you know. But, you know, yeah. it was an example of being replaced. You know? yeah. And I've replaced people on a show. Sure. I, I was on, a, on an anime show that... Uh, Which one? Uh, oh, it was a show called um, Bidix. Mm-hmm. An old anime, very short-lived anime show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the names. Uh, I don't know the character. I can't remember the character I played, but I remember the, the writer saying that we cast a guy who auditioned beautifully, but he couldn't handle the ADR in the studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he called me, and I said, well, I was going on vacation at the time. I said, I'll be gone for two weeks. He said, okay, well, never mind. You know, so they tried to work with him again. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is not saying anything bad about him, but you know, ADR is a technical thing where you're having to match dialogue to animation, right. Right. physical... And apparently he just had it was just a challenge, and it was yeah, fun. he couldn't he couldn't get the lip sync down or something get, was, like yeah, that. something like that. Yeah. So so they so I replaced him, you know, and it happens all the time. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. But um, um, do you find it's challenging, you know, voicing stuff for anime because it is in Japanese? Like you're not even lip syncing to dialogue in English. Um, well, not really, because you know, once the the language is gone, it's just. Mouth closing and opening. Right. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no. There's I no just, sense of Japanese to it after that. Except certainly. For design, design style. Yeah. Certainly. I just. I wonder because you know, like, I'm a huge anime fan. Like, right. I've I've been into it since I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, I grew up on Sailor Moon and stuff like oh, that. Sure, you know. Sure. And like some of it, it's like, yeah, you. Like, I, I have the sense that they change some of the dialogue sometimes Absolutely. to like fit the yeah the always, mouth movement. The, the writer. <laughs> I've written a couple scripts. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and. You know, it is having to write. You, you you get the Japanese translation, the literal translation. Yeah. And I just I would watch it with the sound off, mm-hmm. and you know watch the flaps and have to count you know syllables and yeah and try yeah. you know and that's you know to the and then, and then it changes because it all depends and you know people I know I've heard fans get mad at the studio say how could you change that and it's like <laughs> well no wait a minute and understand the Japanese producers asked us to. You know, every mm-hmm. every production company who we who, who license from can ask for different things. Like yeah. I remember, it was a story. Of, I forget what the title was, but the the Japanese producer w- was asking the studio to make all the characters American names. Oh! And the American producer said, "No, that's the beauty of this. Let's, we need to keep the Japanese names." I'm like, no, 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 make it, make yeah, it. Them. I was like, no, 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 no. Interesting. So it all depends on the studio. Or I mean, mm. or so I remember there was another series that uh, they flat out said, "Do whatever you want. We don't mm-hmm. care." You yeah. got the animation, you know, and they completely changed the story. That's you know. oh so, my god! That That's happened with so uh, that happened with uh, Gotcha Man over and over and over again. All the vi- yeah. different, oh, yeah. different various iterations of Gotcha Man. It started with Sandy Frank presents Battle of the Planets. Yes. Then there was mm-hmm. Eagle Riders and G Force yeah. and a whole bunch of the other ones. And the storyline they took whole storylines and completely just oh yeah right. <laughs> now it's well, cool. That was one of the shows I grew up on. Yeah, me not, too. Not, re- not realizing at the time that it was anime. Yeah, I got to be doing do the English dub when ADV did the definitive. Oh, yeah. nice. I'm, I'm, I'm just one of the evil villain, you know, one of the soldiers. Oh, sure, shots, sure. But boy, but still, being yeah, that was a lot know. of cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I'm wondering if um, the Japanese producers asked for American names for Sailor Moon because, like, when it first came over in the mm-hmm. late '90s, when I was a little little kid, they all got American names. And then and when I have. started reading the manga. Um, that uh, Shoujo Beat put out. This was before they were Tokyo Pop. Yeah, they kept all the original names. So sure. like, I went and researched it. This was like at the dawn of the internet, and I was like, yeah. Oh my god, they changed it! Like yeah. I was one of those fans. You it might have, so, you know, you never know. I mean, they, they, yeah. they might have said, Can, "We need to make sure it, it hits an American market really well." So this yeah, is American, you know, it, it, 
who knows? I mean, there's so many variations in contracts. Right, but it's it's interesting know. to find out those little tidbits. Like, I never yeah. even thought yeah. that, like, maybe the producers would have asked them to change they, the names yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you know? well, like, you know, people were in uproar about uh, One Piece Yeah. when Four Kids first had it because, or even when Funimation got it, because I think they still had to change the one character smoking all the time to a mm-hmm. lollipop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It had nothing to do with the Japanese producers or the American producers. That's the FCC. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you can't show a, car- a cartoon character smoking. Yeah. But then if you go to the DVD, that's where they put everything back. Right. Yeah, that's, what I, that's why I really miss uh, miss some um, stuff that was, that was uh, produced for American or translated for American audiences yeah. that was done in the 70s and 80s because you still saw the original, a lot of the original. <laughs> oh, the, only, sure. the only thing they really took out much of anything out of Gotcha Man was the blood. Yeah. I think the uh, funniest instance of you can't show smoking anymore is at um, the Hollywood Tower um, at Disneyland California Adventure because like they're using old Rod Serling footage. Oh, yeah. You know, he from the always had a cigarette. He always oh, had, had a cigarette. cigarette. Yeah. And like his fingers are still in the position. You can tell right. like they just photoshopped out yeah, yeah. the cigarette. And it's just like it's hilarious to me. Oh, sure. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's so, you know, a lot of people don't realize that sometimes the. Whoever licenses the anime are they have their, their hands tied right. yeah. when it comes to the final production. They're yeah. just doing what they've been allowed to do. Well, right. and there's so much nerd rage out there connected oh, to yeah. anime. Well, like, connected to everything. And well, they, yeah, and but they, like you have never seen nerd rage until you've seen some of these anime yeah. fans. Like, and, trust they, me. and they don't know the they don't know the whole story. They just, yeah, you know. So, yeah. like, I was in a chat with one guy who who couldn't understand, you know, why we all don't record together. Oh, like the like way they do in schedules, Japan. yeah, or yeah. or you know, like an American cartoons before they're animated, you know, yeah. where you do get to feed off of. I mean, I love watching like behind the scenes of John Goodman and um, oh my god from Monsters Inc. What's his name? Oh, uh, uh, Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. Crystal. Yeah, that they're recorded in front of each other and yeah. just to watch their banter. But no, I mean, I'm the ten take wonder, you know, because mm-hmm. you might be in the booth where you know the the dialogue we, we may have to you know spend time cutting out words because it's too long or adding words because it's too right, short right. or you know I have to I have to figure out breaks or whatever you know so mm-hmm. and then scheduling you know I mean because a lot of the actors like at least in Dallas a lot of the actors would come in from Houston you know mm-hmm. you got to yeah. schedule that so you, yeah. you know and that or he could understand why uh, I, I wouldn't watch an episode the night before it's <laughs> like I have a life one yeah. and two half the time I wouldn't know what I'm going in for they would literally say we need you tomorrow for two hours mm-hmm. okay yeah and that's it. And then I go, and, and then I find out when I'm there. Or, or if I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for a session, mm-hmm. and I finish half an hour early, I'm walking out the door with another director and say, "Oh no, 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 you're not leaving it. Come here. <laughs> you're now going to be Man B in this episode of a completely different show." Sure. You know? So it just works so fast because yeah. of the time schedule and the money. Yeah. You know, and and I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but you know, a lot of kids don't understand that it, it's a business and it works very fast and mm-hmm. that's what and it is. And it can't cater to everyone's, you Oh, know, no, you can't please feelings. everybody. In the yeah. Not at all. Not at yeah. all. Yeah. I think that's one of the things, though, with, like, um, anime fandom in particular mm-hmm. is they want it to be as close to the Japanese product as possible. Oh, sure. You know? Sure. And, like, it just, I don't know. I, I don't understand why anyone would get the perception that, you know, whoever's bringing it over wouldn't want it to make it the best, tightest, you know, well done thing they ever could. Because oh, sure. again, like at the end of the day, it's a business. Like they want your money, so yeah. they are trying to keep you as happy as possible. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and that there's other outside factors that they just don't have any control over. Right. Well, not only are they trying to keep you happy as a fan, they're also trying to get new fans, and they have to make mm-hmm. it, they have to, on some, some level, have to make it relatable. In order to bring in new fans, yeah, so. yeah, and to reach a wider audience, because you know some things just don't. I mean, no pun intended. Some things just don't translate, right? yeah. You know, right. and that you have to adjust for that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or, you know, like I, I, I know there's huge uproar against, I was on a show called Full Metal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Oh, and okay. mm-hmm. um, the young actor who played, I don't know the characters, I didn't watch it. The, um, the one in the metal suit? The, the metal the suit. The one who's still a The person. one in the metal suit. Okay. Uh, Alphonse. Alphonse, I think. yeah. Yeah. So that actor started, I think, when he was 14. Yeah. He grew up. <laughs> his, his voice, voice changes, yeah. right? So he couldn't be in season two. He couldn't do it. Yeah. And uh, there was a friend of mine who could mimic his voice and got an audition. And I remember some of the other friends of his just blasting, how could you do this to him? It's like, it wasn't my choice. Yeah, I think puberty did that Yeah, I'm not, right. I'm not the cause of his puberty, you know. <laughs> right. And, you know, he had, a, he had a good chance. Well, that's yeah. a lot. That's a reason why they use a, uh, women for a lot of uh, young male voices. Oh, sure. Because yeah. oh, they, sure. their yeah. voice isn't going to change. Well, exactly. tragically, like, that's what happened to Bobby Driscoll in the 60s. Like, the last thing he ever did for Disney was he voiced Peter Pan. And mm-hmm. then after that, they kind of kicked him out because, like, he started getting really bad acne. His voice changed. They're like, sure. look, dude, like... Like, there's nothing we can do to help you. Oh, and, yeah. like, he died, like, of an overdose, like, in a hotel somewhere. So, like, yeah. tragic story, but it's, like, you know, yeah. puberty sucks for everyone. It does. <laughs> it, it, it can. It can indeed. You know? yeah. But yeah. But, yeah. Oh, God. Speaking of puberty and transitions out of puberty, did you guys see the photo shoot that the uh, actor who played Neville Longbottom did? Neville Longbottom? Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so hot. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. so hot. Like, give him an award for best transition <laughs> out of puberty. Like, yeah. he is just, like, abs, abs, abs. He's yeah. so yeah. hot. Like, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, Radcliffe's no slouch either. Mm. I love the, the movie in, within the movie in uh, Trainwreck. The, oh, my God, the, the dog po- walker. The, po- the dog walker. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is the dog walker. <laughs> I would never leave your dog in a hot car. That's right. I would never leave your dog in a hot car. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I want to care for your poochie. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what? So you do video games and animation mm-hmm. and um. Oh wait, wait, wait! What did you do on Full Metal Alchemist? Oh, oh, I played a, I played a, one of the military guys. Okay. His name is Master Sergeant Kane Fury. Okay. He was the nerdy one with the glasses. He saved a puppy in the first season. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, okay. That's me. Cool. cool. And it was, and was, was something very special. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always. Did very, they give you a puppy? I did not get a puppy. Though I did get, a, I did get a stuffed puppy from a fan. Okay. Uh. Which was the first <laughs> fan gift I ever got. I have it still. I, um, but I moved to L. I moved out here to L. A. Before season two began recording, mm-hmm. and Fury doesn't talk a lot. You see him a lot. He just doesn't yeah, talk a lot. Yeah. And I just figured they're going to recast me. You know, that's the easiest thing because it's not worth it for me to spend money flying out to Funimation to record mm-hmm. eleven lines and fly back. You know, because yeah. they don't cover travel costs. You know, no studio does that. Um, but the director Mike, once again, he did this amazing thing. He uh, he asked me if I could find a recording studio, and so what he did is he recorded the lines and the timing and tempo and inflections that he wanted mm-hmm. and so Bang Zoom was generous enough to let me use a studio and engineer for an hour mm-hmm. and I was able to go in I think like three or four times and record Fury's lines nice and so I could still be part of the show cool nice. which I was really that's excited. very yeah, cool yeah which I was really <laughs> excited about because I know they it was another character they had to recast I think it might have been Scar Mm. Because the actor had moved out of state, mm. yeah, and so he was also, you know. So I just figured, I mean, for eleven lines, you can find somebody to play a squeaky nerdy dude, you know. But totally, but, uh, 
But no, yeah. I was always very generous. And then I think I did another character I played for one piece. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of friends who are really into Full Metal Alchemist. And, like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I watched it. I liked yeah. it, but I'm not, like, a super fan like they are. Like, oh, sure. one of my friends has the Homoculus tattoo, like, you know, under her clavicle the oh, same yeah. way a Lust does. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, that's where I became known. And I love mm-hmm. it. I love, you know, I love all those people and... I still get, like, just last year, I mean, out of nowhere, because I haven't been on the show, what, now, four years now? Yeah. And I think last year I got this email from a guy saying, my best friend loves your character, and she's been such a great person to me, could you record a little something for her? And so Aww. I did. I mean, I love doing stuff like that, you know? So I'm, all, I'm always very appreciative of hearing, you know, people feel like they grew up with it and it taught them good things, you know? And, and yeah. I'm just really glad to be a part of it, so. I have a good fan story about that with uh, Shadow Stevens. Mm. And uh, who one of the most well-known voice actors yeah. forever? Um, Is his name really Shadow? Oh uh, well, I mean it's a stage name, but it's S H A D O E Shadow Stevens. Mm. Uh, but he started. He was been in the voice business a very, very long time before he started working for CBS and other things. He was doing a lot of movies and smaller things and radio stuff too. Um, my a friend, my one of my best friends from childhood, and I uh, watched. The Kentucky Fried Movie obsessively, yes, and a lot of the vo- VO, and there were two people who did a lot of the VO in that movie, and one of them was Shadow Stevens. Mm-hmm. And our favorite line from that was always um, during the uh, Shadow Stevens did a VO on this uh, this uh, romantic album that you play in order to get couples to reconnect. It's like the wonderful world of sex, and one, <laughs> of, and one of the one of the the lines is you see this couple, this young couple. And they're you know kind of making out and getting undressed and stuff, and the records playing and mm-hmm. and but it's it's all very funny. And one of the one of the the thing starts getting kind of hot and heavy. And one of the lines is the female, if she so desires, may now latch on to his honker. <laughs> <laughs> and I always told my friend if I ever meet Shadow Stevens, I'm going to say that to him. <laughs> Cut to ten years later, fifteen years later, I'm having lunch at. Um, Luis's Trattoria in Brentwood mm-hmm. one day because I worked in Brentwood and there is sure enough there's Shadow Stevens with a bunch of friends it turns out it's his birthday mm-hmm. and they're laughing again they're all giving him a ration of shit just because you know they're yeah. just giving him shit because yeah. it's his birthday or whatever and I'm like oh I got my friends like and I, so I explained this story to the friend I was there with I was like I have to go up and talk to him so I, I was like I'm sorry Mr. Stevens and they all all his friends kind of went yeah. and then I said uh Excuse me, I, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and, and then his friends just start laughing, and I'm like, "What?" Because they're kind of making fun of him for being old and making fun of him for not having a lot of fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, "Well, um, I was particularly uh, admired your your work on the, the Kentucky Fried movie." And he goes, "Oh God!" <laughs> and I said, "I told him the story by females." Yeah. Last longer. Friends just fell out and fell all over the place. So, and that was a really, really fun moment, and he wound up having a really nice birthday, blah, blah, blah. Cut to five, six, seven, eight years later, my friends were going to roast me for my 33rd birthday in mm-hmm. 2003, and a friend of mine knew this story, the friend who put the roast together. Mm-hmm. He, through contacts, got a hold of Shadow Stevens, emailed him, and said, um, blah, 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 it was this guy from this restaurant, would you be willing <laughs> to do a voiceover? And he wound up doing... A VO for the intro to the for the opening of the roast, oh, nice. and he totally remembered me and remembered that story, and then he sent an email to me, and I said thank you very much. It was really honored to meet you, and thank you for doing the recording. That's so that fantastic. Was kind of cool. yeah. yeah. Do you do a lot of the um, 
uh, animation conventions and shows and stuff? Or not? Re- I was never a big enough name, really. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've done a couple. Like, I, my my favorite one is I did a convention in two thousand nine called Erticon, which mm-hmm. is in Ireland. Okay, oh. I'm, an, I'm an Irish citizen. Oh, so okay, oh, no okay. Way. They kind of yeah. My dad's from Ireland. Did you vote in the um, election? No, to- no, okay. I don't. I don't. I don't get those. Uh, voting papers, you know. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I think... Well, just because there were people who flew to Ireland to vote in favor of gay marriage. Oh, I heard like, of that, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. what I was referencing. Oh, so. yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 like, I, I need to get back. It's been many years, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they kind of played off that I was the only... I'm, apparently, I'm the only Irish-American voice actor. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with that, you know, but no, I, I'd like to. I mean, you know, I'm hoping to, you know, again, get back and, you know, people have been... Now that Vlad is apparently a huge character being played in the tournament uh, tournament levels mm. league, I thought, well, you know, hey, I'm here. You yeah, know, I'll, cool. I'll come say the cheesy yeah. lines, but cool, uh, why not? But I've done a couple, and I love them. I mean, it, it, I love meeting you know meeting people, and because a lot of the fans I've talked to over the years have become really good friends, and um, I've never met them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, uh, but uh, I'm hoping to do more, and hoping to also get back into into doing more more anime work, you know, cool. to to lead into that, if you yeah. will. But, um, but yeah. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Because I also do um, I do audiobooks now too. Okay. Which uh, is very interesting. Mostly children's books, but you know, there's now a website that Neil Gaiman helped promote called ACX, hmm. which is owned by Amazon. Okay. Where you can audition directly for authors to do their audiobooks. Oh, nice. They sold on Amazon and Audible, and I did my first two last year, which was really nice. And um, so that was an interesting experience, you know. I would imagine audiobooks out of all of the, I mean, out of what little I know of VO mm-hmm. acting, I would imagine audiobooks would be one of the most challenging. It is. Because <laughs> it's so much material. Yeah. And obviously they have time and budget constraints as well. Sure. But it's so much work and you and your voice as you use your voice, it changes right. and 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 wears you know wears down or oh, yeah. you know uh, dries out various things. Yeah. So I would imagine um, that that doing that and working on one project and trying to maintain that timber of your voice, oh yeah, I mean, consistently took, took, over time would be very difficult. I took four months to do one book. Oh yeah, I mean it was a full length novel, and you know you take because you do chapter by chapter, and then you send it to the author, and then make sure they like it. You know, like I, I did one book very short book which I was expecting to take me a week and it took me three months mm-hmm. uh, the author you know I was a great person to work with you know but very specific about things sure about and, what they and, wanted and what they wanted you know I mean because he, he's an author he's been around for 20 years uh, he's had books published by Warners and Bantam so he just never had done an audio book before so obviously I'm taking care of something very precious. Sure, of course, yeah. of course. Where the other guy, uh, who's also great, it was a full-length novel, um, but his second book ever, and it was like every chapter, oh, Kevin, it's brilliant, great, move on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, um, but no, it, it definitely, you know, coming up with character voices, uh, you know, and and keeping them consistent, you know, always having a ref, I'm with my own reference files, every time I, I get a voice, he, the author likes it, he or she likes it, I copy that and put it into a folder, saying this is mm-hmm. his voice. You know, it was my little, my little, and then accents too. I was uh, there was an Irish character, which was I'm fine with, but there was an Australian character, mm. literally just for two paragraphs. <laughs> but the author's Australian, ah, uh, so and he's gonna so know. I was he's terrified. gonna know. I spent about a week getting up to that chapter, looking up YouTube videos on how to do an Australian accent. You know, and getting, <laughs> what's the secret? Um, uh, I just you, you you talk a lot like this. You drinking, know, drinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the secret. Um, 
And so I finally did it, and I sent it to him because there was there's one other chapter that was really challenging emotionally because mm-hmm. the story is about a uh, marine captain who adopts a dog in Afghanistan Aww. and gets they both get medically injured. They come back to Oceanside to recover, and he gets involved with these college kids who are trying to shut down uh, illegal dog fighting rings. And it mm-hmm. turns into this big adventure in Miami. It's great. It's great crime. You know, great crime novel. Yeah. But part of the story was is that his dog that he grew up with, Rusty died right before he went to boot camp and so there's a chapter when his dog Shadow is off being, getting some training, some military bomb training he goes home to visit his folks and in one chapter he goes to the grave of Rusty to tell him about Shadow Aww. and I freaking I'm like oh my god you know yeah. and there's that challenge of because I wanted that emotion to come through Sure. And so I kept that in there, but there's narration in between his dialogue. <laughs> so I'd be like, you know, Rusty, I met this dog, and pause. That's when he reached out to the grave. <laughs> and then, like, you know, so yeah. I'm having to find, and then, you yeah. know, cutting, learning, you know, and, you know, I had to force myself to learn how to edit, you know, because when you're, when you do something for ACX, you are the producer. Mm. You're not just the narrator. Oh, wow. know, like if I was hired by Simon and Schuster, I'd go in, record my stuff, and leave. Yeah. But at home, I've got to edit all my mistakes. I had to learn how to master. Oh, wow. There's very specific technical requirements. Um, there's a great guy, he's an engineer, that I found named George Widom, who, for 200 bucks, I sent him uh, like a minute sample of the audio, 30 seconds of room noise, which is just you know silence, whatever, the room ambient noise, mm-hmm. and then the program I'm using to record. And he set up all the presets nice. that are required by ACX. And the filtering to filter the out filter whatever room noise you exactly. have. And awesome. That's and, excellent. Because um, uh, he brought up a very, what was even nicer, he, he actually sent a video explaining why he did every step he did, which I didn't need to know. I just needed to push this button and this button, and you're done. You know? <laughs> but, but he explained, and the, one of the just technical interesting things was you have to keep in mind, keep in mind where, where are people listening to audiobooks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the car, car, in the plane. So Where there's this, noise. this takes into account those loud engine noises, mm. and the oh. voice has to cut through that. So I thought that was really interesting on yeah. a nerd level, you know. But um, but yeah, so you and then because literally what you send in, the ACX does a quality check, and then it's it's put up on Amazon and Audible. Fantastic and ready for download, you know. That's cool. So, That's um, cool. So you know, there's a, there's a lot of extra steps that. Uh, that uh, people don't realize, I think, you know, and mm-hmm. so it was a learning process, you know, I mean, and even editing, I mean, I, I got a program that fell off the digital truck, if you will, from uh-huh. a friend, <laughs> and I mean, I could have spent time reading, but for me, it was just pressing buttons and seeing what things did and learning how to cut, sure. cut out silence and fix things and fade in so I got rid of a breath or how to put in a, put in that little at the end of stop. Because I missed it in my Stop. recording, but I don't want to get in the booth and record it again, so I'll cut right. out a P from somewhere else and slap it on the back end, you know. So that's cool. So yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. I use uh, well, I use Boss Chalk on the on the iPod for record on the iPad for recording. Yeah. And then I use Audacity at home. So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Very very bare bones. Very bare bones. Uh, I'm so fortunate because I just show up and yeah. handle everything. I do all the work. <laughs> that's right. He that's does the nice. heavy lifting. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, Pro Tools is the industry standard. Sure, sure, of course. But of course. there is a free version coming out. Apparently, huh. you can sign up for a little. We'll let you know when it comes out. You know. So um, that's that's what I want to work. So I don't use. Free Pro Tools. I, yeah, Free Pro Tools. Nice. So, All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Note to self. Free <laughs> exactly, Pro Tools. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know when, but they, you, you can sign up and say we'll let you know when it's out. You know. So definitely. <laughs> 
So do you do any uh, any uh, demo production at all? Or no? No. I do not. <laughs> uh, no. Demo production I leave to people who are most people who do demo production are also casting directors. Okay. Because they know what they, they know what's current. They know what, what people are wanting today. I mean, it changes almost every year. I mean, the rule of thumb is to get a new demo every year. Yeah. You know, whatever you do. Um, I mean, I, I you know, if I had more of a of sound library, that kind of thing, maybe. But um, no, there's there's places where, uh, you know, you go in because the, they'll also, you know, they'll put all, all the sound effects. Like if you do a video game. You know, demo. You know, you're going to want to have that epic music behind it. Sure, you know, sure. You know, if it's a military scene or a police scene or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. The only thing I ever do is I just I just do my own auditions. But you know, full demo production. I always I always want that outside ear. Oh, of course. And who of knows course. what? Who knows what they're? Who knows the market better than I do? Sure, of course. Know, because I mean, yeah. I just work on the voiceover side. I don't know a lot of final products. So you want to find somebody who who knows that final product market really really well and. Can listen to your voice and say, "Okay, these are the scripts I want you to do," and this is how we're going to do it. That kind of thing. And you know, a good rule of thumb that my first demo, te- my first teacher gave me was, "Go listen to a hundred demos." You know, you can find them on Voices. Of course, of course. One, two, three, or look at voiceover agents because they'll always have their talent with their demos out there. Uh, and listen to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And my gosh, there are some ugly ones out there. Really? Um, oh, there was this one, and. I always wanted to use that as an example. Hopefully she's not listening. This was four years ago. But it was literally a woman who obviously had one of those little Sony handheld recorders. Mm-hmm. And she started with, okay, um, this is my commercial demo. My name is uh, blah, blah, blah. And okay, take one. And she did it. And she was, okay, uh, that was good. Okay, now take two. Okay, that is not a demo. <laughs> no. And she's speaking into a handheld recorder. A, a, a handheld yeah. recorder, yeah. You know, um, I can't help but think of Agent Cooper. Like, yeah, Diane. Yeah, yeah, Diane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or there was one I found on a website. It was an agency website where it was two different people, a man and a woman, who had the exact same scripts, done in the exact same order, with the exact same music, and opened with a really, really bad, I think, offensive Indian accent for an Indian restaurant. Oh, and they were obviously, shit. obviously American. Ooh. After that, so yeah, that's not cool. No, yeah, was, yeah. As a as a white American, you got to kind of be careful what what accents you're oh, doing absolutely. and for what and for what. Absolutely. You know, I'll throw down an Irish any day, any time. Sure, but, sure. I mean, if I want to put down a Russian, you better believe I'm going to be looking up my books and getting a coach for that sure. beforehand. You know, sure. that I can. I mean, I, I, I mean, I took a dialect class a couple of years ago, which I love, and that's the guy. His videos are what I go to before I even think about doing an accent for something, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's all about preparation and and uh, making sure you're showing off you, right? And not an agent who says, "Here are these five scripts. You do them in the exact same order in the book and the same music, <laughs> and it's all it's all bad." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that was some of the best advice I got was to just I just listen to people, you right. know, and and different types, you know, like. One of my favorite demos to listen to is a, is a guy named David Kay, mm. who was Megatron on Beast Wars. Yes. Okay. And to hear his demo and just the variety that he can do and that he can show off in that is unbelievable, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, and then, you know, but getting, like getting into audiobooks, I started doing children's books. And my first book, the four leads were all girls. And I thought, how am I going to do... Uh, am I? Am I supposed to talk like this? Am I no. a girl? I was like, no, girl, girl, teenage <laughs> girls. 
So I just started researching, and I found a very interesting article about a guy uh, talking about how to approach doing, you know, for male narrators doing female voices, and it's all about the attitude. Mm-hmm. Get the attitude, and then the voice will come out. And just for fun, I went and I looked up who were some of the top readers just to hear what they were doing. And toward the top of the list is Zachary Quinto. Oh, yeah. Who's known as Of course, Locke, of course. You know? yeah. There's a lot of and things, yeah. And he narrated the, novel, the Star Trek audiobook. And to, I found a section where he did Uhura. Obviously, he does not sound like, you know... Uh, 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 Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't but sound like her at all. But the attitude and the approach, the actual the wording was so spot on. Hmm. It was great. And so that really kind of solidified, you know, finding the attitude of the character. And after that, every character I've done so far almost has been pretty pretty easy to do once you really dig into that. Hmm. Cool. Know? Yeah. Cool. While we're on the subject of voice actors, um, there there's... Talk of uh, Warner Brothers putting out an animated, you know, movie version of The Killing Joke. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. I heard about that. They're yeah. already working on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and supposedly Mark Hamill well, they're, is Well, play Mark the Hamill has voiced very loudly and especially throughout Comic-Con said very, very, was rather vociferous about wanting to be the Joker in yeah. that. And the, yeah. I don't, the last I read it had not been confirmed who no, they were. No, it's not wait, wait, So he wanted to be in it? Yeah. Yes. I heard he was done after... The, the last Arkham game. Well, right, he hasn't been the Joker for a while, and like the guy. It's been Kevin Conroy, to, so. No, no, it's been uh, uh, Troy Baker. Batman. Or Troy Baker, Troy Baker. Yeah, yeah. 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 sorry, Kevin sorry, Conroy sorry. Is Batman. You're right, yeah. okay. right. Troy Baker's been the so Joker. Me, I lost a role two of a series. I really oh, wanted so that's badly. A, that's an easy thing to have happen. Troy yeah. Baker is the king of video game yeah. voiceover. <laughs> yeah, no, this was the king. This was an anime back in Texas that I really. What really anime? Liked. Uh, I probably shouldn't say. Uh, okay. He did a great job in it. Yeah, I, I remember it was my worst audition, and <laughs> it was auditioning for Mike McFarland, who I almost drove back to say, "Hey, let me try it again, please." Because <laughs> I, I looked up, I researched the show, and it was just so cool. And, uh, and then it's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Troy Baker, he's he's very prolific. He's yeah. he's in all the video games, Uncharted, and and mm-hmm. he plays uh, Joker in and some, Batman. and Batman and, and Lego. Mm-hmm. But I think the only person who should ever be allowed to voice Batman is Kevin Conroy, and the only person who should ever be allowed to voice Joker is Mark Hamill, because, like, those, like, I grew up on Batman the Animated Series, yeah. and that's just, like, what's in my head, but also, they're so fucking good at it. Sure. So, See, like, I grew up in the 70s, so I've still got um, uh, Ted Knight being all those, all those, all the DC villains. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the, in the, <laughs> and also, um, there were, there was a Lou Scheimer Batman and Robin Adventure Hour, or whatever, yeah. with uh, Adam West and Burt Ward, but then Ted Knight was Playing uh, Commissioner Gordon and the sure. Riddler and the Joker mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of them, and the Penguin, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I grew up with a few of those as well. I think yeah. I just read too that they are going to do a 1966 Batman animated film, and that Burt Ward and Adam and West, West are Will doing the voices. <laughs> yes. I think it's yes. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. No, I'd, I'd, uh, you know, I, I guess that's the one thing that I, I haven't really liked about a lot of the Warner Brothers movies is they keep changing. Every movie is a different voice, right. usually. You know, because I mean, uh, 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 it wasn't Michael Keaton who did it. Who, who, uh, Peter Weller. Peter was Weller. Batman in, in, in uh, Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah. Was. Yeah. And then, you know, they've had other actors and, and, and that kind of thing. Stick with somebody. I mean, that's why. Well, yeah. I mean, Conroy was a, was a logical choice. I oh, mean, sure. but if you're going to, and if you're not going to use Conroy, I think, I think Troy Baker is an excellent choice to be able to do that. Um, sure. But because uh, there, there was an indoor kids. 
podcast, and they've had Troy Baker on many times. Yeah. Um, and they talked extensively about him doing Batman and the Joker and all that yeah. stuff too. And, and it was really that was really good a sure, good listen. Sure. So, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's like DC is 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 not following the Marvel track where they're keeping consistency. No, they're everything. really not. They're you really know? not. DC tends to stand for dumb choices. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. and which, which is a shame because it's my favorite comic book content, but. In terms of translation to other media, it, it doesn't necessarily work that well. Although I really liked Batman: Brave and the Bold, mm-hmm. Diedrich Bader playing yeah. Batman. That was that was a very fun I liked, show. I liked him, yeah. And I also really liked the Batman, the one, the kind of weird futuristic oh, kind yeah. of crazy one that they did yeah. in the in the uh, uh, early two thousands. I was yeah. really I liked that one too. Batman Beyond, but no. a different one. Actually, I like Batman Beyond too. It was a very mm-hmm. different futuristic. Batman um, Beyond was okay, but again, for me, it's all about yeah, Batman, Batman Animated Series, series. Yes. right? Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure, that was my first tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that definitely be. But as a voice actor, I'd love to get involved with that. Oh sure, you know, that's, of course, that's of course. Of course, also union work. I think I'm not I, quite there. Yet. I think What's Batman your dream role for like Batman. Like if you could play any Batman character, somebody's just like, "Hey, we want you for Batman." Tell Anybody us what you in that do. world? Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> well, Batman, of course. No. Um, uh, if it was in that world, could, and if other heroes were allowed, I wouldn't mind being Superman. Superman. I think, I think Superman would be a, 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 a. I'd love to try and find a way. To portray him, you know, and I think they do a really good job. But you know, the big complaint I've always read about Superman is, well, he's all powerful. I mean, you know, nothing except for kryptonite, you know, or yeah. whatever. But to to find that inner struggle of him, you know, of how do I let this culture grow, and and how do I not always just like, oh, I've saved you, you know, like that <laughs> kind of thing, along with the storylines. I think that'd be a really, I think there's a lot of layers there to play. Yeah, you know. Um, have you ever read uh, Superman Red Sun? Uh, no, I, but I've, I've heard oh, it's quite, so quite good. good. Yeah. Um, for those who haven't heard of it or haven't read it, um, it's kind of an alternate universe Superman where, um, as a baby, he lands in communist Russia yeah. instead of on a farm in, like, you know, Was that one America. of the Elseworlds books? I think so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of the Batman ones, the, the Gotham oh, by Gaslight, yes. yeah. and the uh, there's one where, where Bruce Wayne is Kal-El. So oh, he has yeah. the superpowers, but then his parents get murdered, and so he goes dark, and mm-hmm. so he's an all-powerful Batman. Um, then there's like <laughs> Red Rain, and mm-hmm. where it's Batman and Dracula, and um, yes, yeah. Speaking of uh, animated series and Batman and Dracula, there was an episode uh, of um, they wound up eventually, I think, making a movie out of a de- mm-hmm. directed to DVD video it was Batman versus Dracula, but with the the rules of Batman the animated series while it was on TV is they weren't allowed to show blood so right. they, yeah. they figured there's no way to show to do a justice to a, a Dracula story without blood so yeah. they wound up doing a directed uh, to, to DVD thing with it because mm-hmm. um, there was blood in Mask of the Phantasm but yeah. that was a theatrical release yeah. so. oh my god that was so cool when that came out like I was a kid and yeah. everything oh yeah you know? yeah, I, I, yeah I had that yeah. I yeah I, I, I remember when it came out and uh Liking it better than the live action movie that had come out that year. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, and I said this before, yeah. going back and watching the '89 Batman with with Keaton and Nicholson, mm-hmm. it's bad. It's oh, not it's so does bad. not hold up at all. Yeah. It's really I unfortunate. It. I, li- I, li- <laughs> I like Batman Returns better, but yeah. but the original Batman, jo- uh, and maybe it's because we're all 
tainted with Heath Ledger, or not tainted, but we're, we've been seeing through the filter of, oh, of Heath sure, Ledger's yeah. performance mm-hmm. now. But Nicholson was so... It was beyond manic. It was beyond mm-hmm. the it was usual cheesy. the usual mania of what the Joker is, and and it was it was it was a lot more comical than insane. Well, mm-hmm. the thing is with the Joker, he's not just a maniac; he's a sociopath. Yeah, and if you're yeah, a yeah. sociopath, you're generally pretty smart. That's right. what's scary about them. Yeah. Right. You know, is they're smart and they have like no empathy whatsoever. Right, and I didn't get that from <laughs> from Nicholson's Joker. I mean, no. they, they tried to do the whole thing with the aptitudes for science and chemistry and all this and that, but mm-hmm. it didn't quite kind of you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, going back and watching it, and I mean, obviously, with the time it came out, it was just it was the shit. It was oh, nothing yeah. else I like remember. it, and it was amazing. And parents complaining it was too dark and this mm-hmm. and that. But but <laughs> now going back, it just it's it's to me it seems just as crazy and over the top as like as uh, Batman Forever does. And and even though it's completely different, yeah. And they were purposely going for that cheesy kind of over the top cartoonish thing. Nicholson's performance was cartoonish in a movie that was supposed to be darker and right. more mm-hmm. gritty and, and grounded. So, yeah. but yeah. yeah. No, for me, Michael Keaton is still my favorite Batman. Though I, I think he he somehow captured the perfect balance that I don't think has been really captured as well since for me. Mm. You know, between that that struggle. I think Christian Bale was okay, but he still didn't feel like Batman no. to me. No, no, no. He was no. just, he was passable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's thats me being nice. And the, and the whole thing, <laughs> I, I guess just the acting choice of like, he couldn't close his mouth when he was in the suit. Yeah. It was always like, I'm Batman. <laughs> what are you doing? And I was like, dude, you got a jawline, just, you know, pop it closed. Jon Snow has the same problem too. It's like, oh, you're so pretty, but... Eh. Yeah, close, yeah, close, close your mouth. mouth. Close your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, kid. Um. And, I, and my my biggest disappointment in that whole original four movie series is I would kill to see Billy Dee Williams as Two Face. Oh yeah. Why we didn't get our yeah. Two Face in that? No, yeah. We didn't. And he was we Harvey all Dent. wanted that. He was I, Harvey Dent. I thought we that was going to lead wanted. right into the second. So did I. Yeah. So did I. And we all thought I, that. I love him. I think he's to see. I mean, I, he's you know he's. You know, he's, he's such a charming actor. Mm-hmm. I would like, kill to see what he would have done with a dark yeah. Two Face like that. Yeah, I think well, that'd be been like completely um, different and new. Uh, what was the Two Face comic that was really good? The Long Halloween. Oh, the Long Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I thought that was my. Oh, that's one of my biggest. Oh, I just wish I, I was. I they loved, set it up for it. Oh, it's perfect setup. Yeah. 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 And and then Tommy Lee Jones tried to do Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. a little bit, yeah. No, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The, going back and watching a lot of the peripheral characters in in the '89 Batman, mm-hmm. a lot of the everybody, everybody just kind of ran around with a thumb up their ass in that yeah. movie, and and which I didn't get the impression of. Uh, you know, I mean, like they had Pat Hingle playing Commissioner Gordon. Right. And Commissioner Gordon is supposed to be really on the ball and really have. Right. That's why Gary Oldman was perfect as, oh, sure. as yeah. Commissioner yeah. Gordon. And that's the way that you know you're supposed to see a, 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 a police force actually trying and actually trying to do something oh, sure. amidst all the corruption and the problems and all that. But but 
you know, the the police force in the '89 and '91 Batman, they yeah. were like Keystone cops. It was, sure. it was. They're so ineffectual. Well, I, I think too because it had never been done. They had, you know, they, right. they didn't have right. earlier, you know, inspiration. I mean, this was completely. You know, and you got Pat Pat Hingle who. You know, uh, Commissioner Gordon is supposed to be like a, a young, or not young, but a, a wiry, athletic, you know, gets out into the streets kind of guy. And you got Pat Hingle just kind of waddling onto the <laughs> set in, in, in a suit that's kind of look with his arms pinned at his side. Yeah. And not really, it just, I don't know, it, it, yeah. going back, it, it really... It was an experiment. It was, it, was, it, was it was, it was, it was. And, yeah, and definitely, fine. I think it paved the way for a lot of what we have oh, today. Sure. Um, it, it showed the the possibility of it. well that and the that and the original Superman. Oh yeah. Um, but those movies definitely paved a lot of ground for the nerd explosion of What's film that we have yeah. going on yeah. now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I'd almost you know I, 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 Batman is one of those things that I love every iteration of in in, in various things except for. Batman and Robin that that was an abomination that was Star yes. Trek 5 all over again it, it yeah. just it, that just didn't happen so um, I, I, I always give kudos to, to George Clooney who will he flat out said I destroyed the Batman franchise he no. takes, he takes I, see I think he would have been great with a great script and a better director mm. my problem with Batman and Robin first and foremost was Schwarzenegger oh, and yeah. the fact that yeah. his name was billed over the guy the character else. playing Even Batman he's Mr. Freeze right yeah. and and he, Victor Freeze is a is a is a a soulful character, oh, yeah. a sorrowful, so deep, yeah. sad, sorrowful, soulful character. Goth as fuck. Everything <laughs> he does is to save his wife. Yeah, everything. And Schwarzenegger could not convey that at all. The actor I wanted to see playing uh, Mr. Freeze was Christopher Lloyd. I think Christopher Lloyd would have been perfect oh, in yeah. that role. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I, I remember reading, it was a, a magazine called Comic Scene at the time, and they always had a section about the movies, and mm-hmm. apparently the original ideal choices were supposed to be Patrick Stewart and Demi Moore. Mm. Oh, man. As Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. That would have been perfect. Uh, and the other problem that movie suffered from was too many characters. Too many, oh, people, too many, too many villains, too well, many that's, everything. That's and Batgirl. Let's cram Batgirl in there. And let's yeah. cram. And Dude, they should just give Batgirl her own movie. Like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, I guess with that, especially in the DC Universe, they have to find a way to set these characters up first when you have such a connection like that. Well, they, they're, they're trying, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Feeling their way in the around around in the dark of trying to do the Marvel thing, where you where you have this baseline establishment of character and then do offshoots, and they're trying to do that with this new Batman Superman abomination that's it's in coming reverse, out. Though. That's my that's my biggest yeah. problem. Yeah. It's in reverse. Yeah. We're gonna say yeah, yeah, yeah. here are all our characters, and then one, they get a movie, and then you know, are, are we gonna suddenly? jump back and do origin stories for everybody? It's I don't want to wait for a Wonder Woman movie. That's just where either. I'm at. Like, just give me my fucking Wonder Woman either. movie I was, like, right I was, now. <laughs> and we were at, we were at Ant-Man and we saw the uh, the trailer, the extended theatrical trailer for Batman Superman and it just does not look um, good well, at Wonder all. Well, Wonder Woman and, is the best thing about that. Right. And even <laughs> that is just like, you know they're going to minimize her, her yeah, character. You sh- know they're not going to give her any I level of screen no, time. I don't think she looks... Right as Wonder Woman. You don't? No. If you compare, the costume's great, but she's yeah. too tiny of a girl. She's, well, not, she's not an Amazon. She's not an Amazon. That's true. I like, think yeah. she kind of looks like Kim Kardashian, unfortunately. Yeah. 
It's uh, horrible. Yeah. I do. Uh, I mean, when I see her, I have to really stop okay, and, okay. and look again. But the big nerd rage when they cast Gal Gadot was that, you know, not not that she wasn't buff enough or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. what, like, oh, her boobs aren't big enough. A Wonder Woman needs to be sexy and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot no. of that going around yeah, the sure. internet. Which is and I'm, it's dumb, and I know that's not your guys' complaint, but looking at pictures of her when they first cast her and then pictures of her in the costume, like, they buffed her the fuck up. You know, like I, I, she's, I don't think she's got uh, still. I mean, I wish we had someone like you know, if she wasn't drunk, like China. China, the yeah, wrestler? yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Well, yeah. I know Ronda Rousey wanted yeah, to play one of them too. She would have been perfect. She's yeah. the MMA fighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's who you. Who is in? Uh, you know, it's it's. It's like that weird casting, you know. I mean, we, like we talked earlier, I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yeah, but he's but he's six two. <laughs> you know, we should yeah. be like five four. You know, it's just, it's it's you know. I mean, they're supposed to be otherworldly. Yeah. Not human. Yeah. You know, so yeah, my which, first... which, which is what always intrigued me about the Nicolas Cage Superman movie that never happened. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because he wanted to do like huge spiky weird hair like Dragon Ball Z hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because. He's an alien. Yeah. yeah. He should yeah. look different than yeah. us, you know. Well, so, but then, yeah, an Amazonian princess should be an Amazonian, not, you know, I mean, so we, we, we you know, she was in the gym for six months, you know. Yeah. Well, they, they did do a lot to buff her the fuck well, up. Well, I hope. We'll you see. know? Like, I'm again, still, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just looking at pictures. I mean, yeah, she's, I, she's not, not perfect. She's not my first choice. But, no. like, I'm just glad that there's a Wonder Woman on oh, screen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know? But, like, yeah, my, my first pick would have been Ronda Rousey oh, yeah. or, like, Lucy Lawless. Oh, oh now, see, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. I mean, we already have established she can do, like, you know, tough fighter yeah. chicks. She's fucking Xena. She's like, give Zena. that role to Xena. Yeah. Absolutely. Aye, 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 aye. And, uh, like, I saw the trailer for Suicide Squad, and I'm just not... Yeah, I'm not impressed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. DC's making a lot of just wrong moves. Yeah, like I said, stands for dumb choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I mean, Marvel, you've got to take the time to plan it out right. And I think yeah. DC's saying, "Okay, we've got to play catch up now." Yeah, you know? they're trying to rush into it. You know, yeah. which and then of course I remember reading Christian Bale. You know, said after Batman: uh, The Dark Knight Rises, like I'm done. I don't. Want- I don't want to do it anymore. You know? <laughs> but then, like three months ago, I'm reading this thing where he says, "Well, you know, I kind of wanted to do another one," hmm. and it's like, "Well, you know, Make up that, your that, that would have kept some consistency, right?" And this would have been the got, time to do it. We don't instead we got Batfleck. Yeah, yeah. I'm so not down with Batfleck. Every time I see a trailer, I look, and then Ben Affleck's <laughs> big dumb pancake face yeah. comes on the screen, and I just laugh. I can't take him seriously and at all. He's directing and writing the solo Batman movie. Yeah. yeah, which is not. which is based on. I think I think they're going to base it on a storyline, a specific storyline from the books. Well, it's uh, clearly, Batman Superman is based on Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. or oh, bits yeah. and pieces of it. Yeah. Bits and pieces. Well, yeah. you can tell even in the costume they're going for that Frank Miller like yes. everything is a square. Yes. And again, yes. 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 Talked earlier. I, yeah. I, the bat I, signal has that very very blocky big yeah. you know well, square. That's, that's off. Frank Miller's. Yes. Drawing yes. stuff, everything like he does not know that circles exist. No, yeah, he's very. <laughs> like we talked earlier, you know, that's my. I mean, I love all these movies, especially from Marvel. But I, we talked about these. They're being pulled from older storylines. I right. want to see something original. Yeah, I want to see something. Well, Hollywood like, is incapable of doing no, anything original no, anymore. No, now, I mean so. the first two X Men. I think that I can remember were probably the first two. I mean, I mean there are elements from other stories, but they yeah. were truly original. 
they were just they were just little support beams. You well, know, right, to and make, then they fucked it up. Like when they tried to do the Phoenix well, Saga. Well, yeah, that was that, that whole movie was a, a mess. Because well, also you can't fit the Phoenix Saga into one movie. If you no. were going to do the Phoenix Saga justice, it would have to be like a mini series and have a good director. Yeah, you know, no. and and get more into Jean Grey's powers and all yeah. of that, you know, and like not just be like, oh, she can't control them and they kills yeah. her because like in the comics she does some pretty cool shit with that. Like she rebuilds oh, yeah. her sister from the molecular level up. Yeah, like yeah, that's fucking but, awesome. But you know, at that time too, the idea of having this, you know that kind of sequel, having a two part movie series, you know, was yeah. not. I mean, Lord of the Rings is the only one I can remember that even came close to that. Yeah, and I feel now like there's a lot more like of those movies as you know miniseries kind of thing. Like, oh, they you have, have to be. the you have the Hunger Games. Yeah. You know, well, and, like, clearly, starting with probably Harry Potter, clearly it's been demonstrated and proven that audiences will stick around through will. an extended story. Yeah. Right. Through several movies, I mean, they took. They took Harry Potter and split it off into two. Two, the last uh, Hunger Games mo- book was split off into two, two movies. Yeah. So they're, right, yeah. you know, yeah. and so and they're doing that like with Divergent, which yeah. is mm-hmm. based on books. And everybody complained about the Hobbit doing having done that, but I, and for me, spending being able to spend more time in that universe was good sure. enough for me. It yeah. didn't bother and me at two, all. It also allows them to keep in. You know, I mean, everything has to be cut out something somewhere. Yeah. But it allows them to keep in the material that really ties everything together. You sure. know, it won't feel disjointed. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, clearly people will stick around through an extended storyline, through multiple movies over multiple years. They, they will stick around and do that. I mean, the Harry Potter thing did it. And, and absolutely. So, so I, I, yeah, I don't. You're right with the whole thing with with you know I don't, I'm not as up on Marvel as I am on DC. Not that I'm really up on DC anymore either. But yeah, let's just get some new stories in. Let's yeah. we can take these characters and go anywhere and do anything Absolutely. with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know? you know, like I said, keep little elements here and there. But you know, we have Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, which was the comic book what from five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and we we read it. It's going to be great to see them on screen. But show mm-hmm. me something different. Yeah. Show me right. something new and exciting and and surprise me that maybe that they don't do in the comic. Book. Uh, sure. Speaking of X Men, like there's all those photos that have been released from uh, the new movie coming oh, out, yes. and like, um, what's his name, like Apocalypse or whatever the fuck. Like he looks, he's the only one who looks terrible. But like, yeah. they released a photo of um, the actress in costume for Storm Jubilee, uh, Jean Grey, and I think uh, Cyclops, and like mm-hmm. Sophie Turner is Jean Grey, perfect choice. Yeah, um, the. Girl that they got to do Storm, she has the big white the mohawk. mohawk. Yeah, she like looks fucking fantastic. The 80s yeah. Storm, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they actually very made... God loves man kills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually made Jubilee look like a Daglo mall rat. So yeah. I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. I don't I'm... I don't give a fuck about Cyclops. He's yeah, a genius. Yeah. Well, like William nobody Mon likes is... him. I, I can't believe she's in it. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, Olivia Munn is a uh, Psylocke, and yeah. she looks great too. He's not thrilled with no. that. No, <laughs> I, I can tell. Great, but. You know, maybe she can learn how to act. I don't. Oh, know. Oh, you don't that, think she has the acting chops oh, for it? No, she's a she's a she's a game show host. <laughs> you know, well, out of out of the the characters from you know X Men and the DC or the Marvel universe that I wanted to see more of that I didn't get to see more enough of was. Um, was Nightcrawler because I was yeah. always fascinated with him. Well, and, and they have so much content to go on, like with oh, him sure. and Mystique. Like, sure, yeah. sure, sure. And I was oh. always so very interested in that character and what what little delving into Marvel that I did I wanted to know more about him mm-hmm. and they just briefly barely and then he just completely disappeared for that third movie yeah oh because he didn't want to do it yeah the actor oh 
Alan Cumming didn't Alan want Cumming to do it. Well, what I read is that, which is weird because he flip flopped recently because <laughs> he was hoping to be, I think, in Days of Future Past. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I read he made it very public, if I recall correctly, so don't hold me to this, but that he did not enjoy working with Brian Singer. A lot. And that's a lot of people's lot of complaint. People. And then the makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, I think it was a six hour. Oh, I'm sure. Doing I'm sure. Up, yeah. You know, so. Because that's all, I mean, his face had rubber on it. There was rubber, yeah. there was rubber but everywhere. I'll tell you, if they're giving me that kind of paycheck, I'll just fall asleep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do, do what you, do what <laughs> you, you want know? to me. Like, yeah. just, just, you know, take your iPad, like, fucking done. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I, think I, I think I remember reading that, uh, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting names now, I'm getting old. Um, the Penguin. <laughs> Danny DeVito. Uh, Danny DeVito, like, loved putting on that makeup. Oh yeah, he loved I it. He, he lived that character. That, oh, he was yeah. so good and so yeah. monstrous and so creepy as it. Cobblepot. That was that was one of the best movie portrayals of a comic book character yes, I've ever seen. And that's one of the things I love about that movie. And that movie was so dark, so much darker yes. than the '89 one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, still had its humor, still had fun stuff, but then yeah. just. Such a dark film, yeah. and and a way even more so Tim Burton than the '89 yeah. one was. Yeah, no, I loved, I loved it too. If but. we're going back to Batman talk, like I am not a fan of Gotham. I thought it was fucking terrible. But the one nice thing I will say about it is the Penguin storyline on Gotham was fucking fantastic. I've I never watched it. I haven't either. I just, I just, because I just, I keep getting just, st- just find the YouTube clips of the there. Penguin, yeah. and then you're good. Because I, like they, they just fuck it up so badly, like. Selena Kyle like sees the Wayne murder and it's like what the fuck yeah. why is Catwoman at the Wayne murder like she doesn't need to see Batman's parents no. getting killed like you know is she there as a little girl yeah she's there as a little girl like it's so weird because the way that they set it up is like you follow her into the alleyway and she's hiding because she just stole something and it's like alright that makes sense you know but then like while she's hiding in the she alley she seems to witness the yeah, murder yeah, yeah. Right. and See, I'm like alright this is dumb that's but, DC just not handling their own material properly. yeah yeah no, but I, they did the penguin really well and he's like okay. super creepy that is the one like, good well thing that I, ever, that I heard about Gotham was, was the Cobblepot storyline yeah. it was yeah. really good everything else was not great I, yeah. I just have not watched any but people say people shows. say well there's People love Arrow. People Arrow, really yes. love Arrow. I haven't watched much of it. My I've wife watched it. it. Um, and I, you know, John Barrowman's in it. And I love John Barrowman. Mm-hmm. But uh, and people say the Flash is really good. People say the Flash is mm-hmm. actually pretty good. The Flash is okay. I got through the first season. Um, it left something to be desired from a lot of the female characters, but I feel like so many superhero shows suffer from sure. that. Like even with Arrow, like I am a huge fan of Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. and the way that right. Arrow handled Huntress was fucking terrible. Uh, yeah. Like it was just so bad. And like you know, she was in there for maybe three or four episodes, and then after that, she just gets. Did they still to have her like, being the mob boss's daughter and all that they stuff? Did. Okay, they did, but like you know, like I said, she's there for three or four episodes, and like. You you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Oliver. Oliver Queen Queen gets mad at her because, like, she's killing people. And it's like, dude, you were fucking killing people. And, like, after she, you know, has her episodes and everything, they just keep referring to her as, like, the crazy ex-girlfriend. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? We're gonna go with this trope? Like, oh, my crazy ex-girlfriend. And it's like, you are killing people too, asshole. You are both crazy. Like, fucking stop. I I think the last superhero series I actually watched besides Smallville 
just because my cousin had on a DVD was the original Flash TV series. Oh yeah, with John ah. Wesley Shipp, which I, which which I, I love. and Amanda Pays. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Amanda Pays is the is the the hero operator in every every show. <laughs> yeah, Max yeah. Headroom. There was another one. A uh, guy on a, it was Rex Rex Smith on a motorcycle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Street Hawk. Street Hawk and, yeah. and Amanda Pays is on that, and then and then you got her on the Flash as well, and it's like I love that they brought them back. Yeah, that. I oh. think that is really cool. Okay, the John oh. ship is the dad. Oh, awesome! The dad yeah, the yeah we right. watched the hell out of the original Flash oh, show back it. in the nineties. That was I great, that show. and we, we really liked. I really liked it because they used a similar body armor tech. Uh, 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 technology that they used in the Batman movies yeah, too, and that yeah. was that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but speaking of superhero TV shows getting it right, Daredevil is fucking amazing. I yeah. love I Daredevil. Love Daredevil, very so good. good, and especially yeah. the choice of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin was just unbelievably good. good. Yeah, I need to see that. I haven't watched that. I yet. highly recommend it. It makes for good binge watching, and it's just, but it it just it's so good. And again, that whole comparison, it, it, you can't help but draw the comparison to the horrible uh, Ben Affleck yeah. movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, um, uh, R- Rosario so Dawson in, in, in... Oh, as in a there. night nurse? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love her so much. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And like, both like, on screen and off screen, because she does a lot of activist work yes. too. Yes. So like, let's not just praise her for, you know, being pretty and being an actress, let's bring up her awesome accomplishments yeah. as well. absolutely. Without question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I need to get. I, I've never watched Agents of Shield. My wife's been it. watching that. I kind of drift in and out of it. Yeah. It's um, it's all right. I um, couldn't get through the first season. Like all the characters felt like the same person, but with interchangeable heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. They kind the second season. They kind of make people more individualized and stuff. And there's yeah. a a pretty okay arc with with Coulson and stuff, mm-hmm. but um. Uh, and they bring in they bring in Kobe Smulders' character for a couple episodes. Yeah. I like Kobe. Um, um, one of one of our guilty pleasures was How I Met Your Mother, and absolutely love that show because Neil Patrick Harris just is amazing. Oh, sure. yeah. um, the other um, oh, I was thinking of another oh the other really really amazing uh, comic book not really superhero but comic book TV show Agent Carter cannot oh wait for God, season two oh, yeah. set in Los Angeles yeah. love her and I love yeah. the fact that she uh, her character they don't actually call her by name but her character is in uh, Ant Man oh and, really yeah okay. and uh, Ant Man was pretty good I, yeah. I I love Paul Rudd. We watched. Uh, we he saw. He hasn't aged oh. since Clueless. No, like amazing. No. Whose blood is he bathing in? He's like, he has not aged like a day since yeah. Clueless. We watched. We we got home and and Danny had never seen Wet Hot American Summer and that is a Paul Rudd classic. Yeah. His character is so just hilariously horrible in that movie. It's <laughs> yeah. so great. Yeah. Um. So we uh yeah we saw we saw um. I keep wanting to calling keep wanting to call the movie Amy Schumer, but we, we saw Trainwreck, we saw Ant Man, and then we went and watched Trainwreck, and then uh, went home and uh, Danny and I watched Wet Hot American Summer, which is just yeah. it's amazing how many how many people's careers got launched, not really launched by that movie, but how many people in that wound up with huge sure. huge yeah. careers. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to see Ant Man tonight. So oh yeah, it's 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 very very good, and I I. I like what they did with it. I was not familiar with it. Um, uh, there's a there's a, a couple of guest cameos, and I don't want to spoil it. Sure. That really just a- 
absolutely warmed my heart and in the third act there is an incredible goth moment in the film that just I, I was I was I was screaming like ah, my God. <laughs> I mean Danny eventually had to say shut up I'm like I but our people oh yeah it was so great it was so great you can still see so much of Edgar Wright's influence yeah. in that movie just well, woven so, throughout so, that movie yeah. it was so good and I didn't know anything about Ant-Man ever never yeah. had read or heard or anything but, I mean, I've I've only know the bad stuff about right, Hank of Pym course. being a domestic abuser right. and all of that. So, yeah. um, I would really love to go and see. A, I would really love to to see a, a Hank Pym and Wasp, uh, you know, storyline, uh, you know, or original movie, and see if they deal with that at all or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, um, but the the way that they. I think the way that they did the movie, for such a fantastic, and I use the word fantastic in the original dictionary sense, for such yeah. a fantastic or fantastical concept, mm-hmm. uh, even more so beyond people having superpowers or right, whatever, right. the whole quote-unquote science of Ant-Man, they really did made it so... They did something really interesting with it, to make something so unbelievable work in the context See, of a, of a film. That's what I love that Marvel is doing. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they are connecting magic with science. You know, yes, I, yes. I think it was in Thor where where he says to um, uh, whatever her name character is, is that, you know, uh, your science is what we call magic. Yeah. You know, right, and so right. they make that, those, I mean, the way they're finding ways to tie everything together and make it logical, I think, is just brilliant. Right, mm-hmm. right, and, and right. Just, I can't imagine the story meetings they must have to make sure all those elements line up. Yeah, yeah. I've heard other people you know? say that magic is basically just science. Uh, magic that, is science we don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, you know, at Marvel, they, they freaking did it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And DC is scrambling as fast as they can and I I see stumbling blocks well even in the comic books you know every time like DC does something stupid like we're not gonna have any marriages in our comic books Marvel is like gay wedding you know or like something like that well I remember that whole hoopla when um, Gail Simone was writing Batgirl whenever we got Mm -hmm. rebooted and then all of a sudden she said she got an email saying you're fired it was a Which new was bullshit, right? <laughs> and so she announced it, and like two weeks later, she says, "Guess what? There's a new writer on Batgirl, and it's it's me." You know, it's uh, yeah. I don't know what. Like, I'm a I'm a big fan of, of one of the black sheep of the comic book world named Rob Liefeld, mm. and he wrote um, he uh, he started with a book called Hawk and Dove mm-hmm. back in the '80s, and that yeah, and, and yeah. When, and when uh, DC did the New Fifty Two, they restarted Hawk and Dove, and he was drawing it, and and being written by someone else and then he took over the writing chores and then they gave him four titles and then all of a sudden he quit about six months later and he just said that the ed- ed- editorial was you know first they said yes you can do that storyline that you come up with it's perfect and then all of a sudden three months later oh no you've got to do a completely different script because we've changed this over here so it won't work at all over here yeah it's like you know they, they just don't I mean I think he said they went through four editors in six months yeah. On one title. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's just or something like that. You know, it was just it's just a mess. You know, were you talking but, about? Were you, you earlier? You were talking about. Um, were you talking about the the Batwoman marriage storyline thing with DC, and then they wouldn't allow her to get married. Yeah, and all that, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. like you know, two days later, Marvel <coughs> announces that they're having two gay characters get yeah. married. Yeah. You know? Well, and then well, and then I, Bobby Iceman came out. Yeah. Or, or yeah, somebody said, that. "Dude, you're gay," and it's like, yeah. uh, oh. 
Yeah, I guess or I like am. when people ask, you know, DC for more like female characters, and they're like, oh, they give like the non-answer answers, like well, we're working on it, blah blah blah, and then like two mm-hmm. days later, Marvel is like, so Thor's gonna be a woman now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, oh, and they finally announced, um, like in the in the comics, they finally showed who uh, the new Thor is. Um, who is it? Jane Foster. Is it? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. She's Thor now. She oh, is cool. Thor. So that's <laughs> awesome. But then where's Thor? What happened to him? He's still like hanging around. Oh, okay. you know, sort of being sad. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the Norse gods brood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, especially because everybody thought it was going to be Freya. Um, yeah. But then when they finally revealed who it was, and it was Jane Foster. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Because yeah, because because then didn't DC, DC tried to to. The original Green Lantern came out as gay, I think. Mm-hmm. Hal Jordan's character? No, no, no. Oh. The original one from like, oh. the 60s. They brought him back in an alternate way and uh, like, oh yeah, he's gay, by the way. Wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> wait, wasn't... Oh. The guy, it was the guy with the red, with the with The, the red, yeah, 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 it was yeah, a the, red, red suit with the, the, the... No, I'm thinking of the original Let Flash. Let me see, let me see if I can pull it here. <laughs> I thought the original Green Lantern was from, exactly. the, from the 40s, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the guy, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was Hal Jordan. Mm. Something different could have been. Let me yeah. see. Green Lantern. Phone time. Yeah, oh, phone time. Pull out your break. pocket computers. <laughs> pull out your copy of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, this is what we use our tiny pocket computers that's for. Right, that's right. You know, Alan Scott. Mm-hmm. Alan Scott mm-hmm. was the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, there that's we go. The there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's funny. It's almost like it's almost like Marvel is just sitting back. And waiting for DC to fuck up and and coming along and and cleaning up their own putting out their own n- you know nice version of whatever DC's fuck up right, is you know yeah. correct and right version of exactly. whatever DC's fucked up version is. Yeah, but yeah, no, but like you know DC. I mean, like, I, I give them kudos for the new Fifty Two and everything, but within six months you knew that they were they didn't know how to handle it. Well, they, they, DC always does that. They keep doing that. Like every twenty years, it's like, oh, infinite crisis on infinite Earth, and yeah. and and you know, and it's just like, how many times do we have to redo everybody's origin story? Yeah. We don't. Let's just move on. Yeah. You know. And then the phrase that I always see, and this is this is both Marvel and DC. You know, whenever they do their big summer things, it's like you know, um, you know, uh, it's like an all new creative team. <laughs> it's like, well, that that was three months ago. And that was six months before that, you know. And it's like, can you not find you know all new storylines? Like, well, of course it is. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. something different. It's, yeah. But uh, you know, again, it's well, it also comes down to it's a business, and they're trying to figure out ways to. And the comment and any kind of print media business is is dying, just yeah. dying and dying and there's, dying. There's and a dying writer my brother went to school with by the name of Brian K. Vaughn who writes some great books like Why the Last Man, mm, yeah, and, yeah, 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 Saga. And in one of, and, and, he, and he, I like him because he'll, he'll put in little tidbits about himself in each book. Mm-hmm. Like in, I think it was in Ex Machina where he put the main character talking to him. I think it was, and it was just a, it was just to mention that the comic book market is the only market that does not use recycled paper. Yeah, and I Ooh. thought that's interesting because newspapers are often recycled now. Paper yeah. bags are recycled. New, you know, uh, paperback books, books are often recycled. Mm-hmm. But comic books are always printed on brand new sparkling paper, never recycled. Why? Well, because it's, because of the paper quality, they can't use you know they don't use newsprint anymore because it has to capture the colors because we're yeah. talking with all this great coloring now. 
So it's got to be a specific type. Yeah, of they're not quality. just doing old half toning or whatever and newspaper half toning yeah, anymore. You know, and I don't know if if it's because they, they they just you can't get that kind of quality paper through recycling. I don't know. Hmm. You know, but when you got books that are going up to three ninety nine a month, you know, you're paying for twenty pages. Yeah, I remember when the whole price hike happened. Yeah, that uh, people were saying, "Great, are we going to get books on time with better stories <laughs> anytime soon?" And then now the DC, I, I haven't, I haven't collected books in a couple of years just because of space, but um, that they're putting ads on the same pages as panels now. Ugh. So you got two panels on top, and then a Twix ad right underneath. Ugh. How does that even look I, like when reading a comic? I know. Because you know, I, I, like, like, like we talked about earlier about not you know realizing what happens with anime studios, it right. never occurred to me that of course artists and writers have to know what pages the ads are coming on, so yeah. they know that the but you the have to layout, lay it out, yeah. You know, and I, I was like, well, duh, of course, but now it's like, oh, but we're, we're, you know, there's a Twix at the bottom of this page here. You got the top part. And it's yeah. like, come on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why I always preferred graphic novels and. Uh, what was the other thing that were they called the premiums or whatever where they had the, the better paper and it prestige was yeah. Format. yeah prestige format prestige with format. no ads in it because yeah. you're already paying extra for that it's yeah like, yeah. well no, but now, you're, but now you're paying the three ninety nine or four ninety nine for half a book of ads and mm-hmm. or a backup story well I mean that's yeah. why I only do graphic novels like I just yeah. want to fuck around with the trade paper I just want to read the yeah. story yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 I mean I still have some of the collecting aspect and I also do right yeah aspect, but I quit collecting sometime in the late 90s. I was collecting from, like, I was working at a 7-Eleven in 1989, and I'm like, oh, comic books, cool, I'm going to start collecting. Yeah. And I did, and then, but then I got to the point where I've got, like, five long boxes, and I'm like, shit, yep. okay. I mean, I still have to find room for all this. Yeah. yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm, out, I'm about to take my whole collection down to, uh, down to uh, uh, Atomic, or not Atomic. Uh, meltdown, meltdown comics, and yeah. just sell the whole thing off. Because yeah. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't have room for it anymore. I have a whole sure. bunch of old collectibles too, and a couple boxes too. Yeah. So I remember seeing all those when I was helping the you Star Wars Daniel. stuff and the yeah. Batman mm-hmm. stuff, and yeah. yeah, I got a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I regretfully, I, you know, Rob Liefeld is the guy he, he created Deadpool. Yeah, which obviously is now getting a lot of push. Oh yeah, because of the internet. Because of the internet, absolutely. <laughs> and Everybody uh, loves Deadpool. I, I yeah. sold my, uh, I had a graded. Uh, at a 9.4, a first appearance of Deadpool, and I sold it for 75, and now of course we're going for 600. So oh. I'm like, oh, I should have held on to that. Yeah. A little yeah. bit longer, but yeah. uh, no, I'm excited. There's, there's a completely side note there's an old men's adventure book series called <laughs> uh, Remo Williams, a Destroyer. Oh, yeah. Which was a horrible movie of. With oh, yeah. War yeah, of course, of course, of course. But I forget who the actors, but they're going to do a new movie. A new Remo movie? And wow. I, have, I almost have a whole collection of the original books, all 150. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that just in case. Yeah. And say, yeah, let's sell it, you know. Yeah. I had a friend who had all the original uh, black and white trades of Eastman and Laird TMNT. Oh, my gosh. He had all that from the 80s. Yep. And it got, it was in his it was in his aunt's place, and it got hit by a flood and just oh. killed the whole thing. That just breaks my heart. Uh, that, just that, just those first, like, like two years worth of issues is worth thousands oh, yeah. and thousands oh, yeah. of dollars. Oh, yeah. When I was at Comic-Con, they had a, a first appearance of uh, Commissioner Gordon for, like, $50,000. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a few. I mean, I, there's some I'd like to get rid of and sell, but, boy, I've got some collectibles in there I want to get graded, you know, and that kind of thing. And like I have, I have a complete run of J. Michael Straczynski's Amazing Spider-Man. So that's, cool. my, that's my big, my big, you know, claim right there. <laughs> nice. Uh, I've got six years of Amazing Spider-Man all written by him. So, yeah. you know, or uh, 
or uh, I, I do have. Um, remember Heroes Reborn back in the nineties? No. Heroes Reborn, and this is going to sound weird to say it now. Back in the nineties, this is when Image had just started. Oh yeah. This is when all those artists left Marvel and DC, so mm-hmm. we want our own creators. So it was Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Mills Portacio, Jim Lee. Uh, Eric Larson and then the one guy who doesn't do anything can't remember his name um, but there were four titles at Marvel that were really struggling for sales right and they were surprisingly the Avengers mm. Fantastic Four <laughs> Iron Man yeah. and Captain America which is so weird to say now because obviously they are Those monster are... so they hired Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld uh, to come in and kind of revamp it for the 90s and um so they each, they each got two titles uh, to oversee uh, with their creative teams, and then they, all, they, and they, they each picked one, one book to draw. So Jim Lee did Fantastic Four, Rob Liefeld did Captain America, and when Wizard was still around, Wizard Magazine, mm. they, uh, they had a different contest for something every month. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Rob Liefeld has been my favorite artist for years, and one month they were giving away all his artwork to his Captain America number four. Wow! Cover at every single page. Wow! And I sent in 300 entries. Wow! And I forgot about it. And three months later, the long box was right there. And oh my that's god! That's my prize, that's my prize cool. possession. And it was funny because I, 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 uh, I, when I lived in Dallas, I went to Wizard World Texas, you know, the big comic book convention there, and I brought it with me because he was there, my first time meeting him. And I said, "Hey, do you remember this?" And he was like, "Oh my god, I haven't seen this in 10 years." You know, and it was just, it was just great. Which is great. So that's my another prize possession in the comic book. Is that Fantastic. Got, that's that cool. Whole, yeah, that's fun stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, this has been super awesome talking yeah. to you. This has been yeah. great Thank fun. You I so love much all these sure. incredibly nerdy areas we went to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. where, uh, tell us where people can find you online. Find online, your work. Uh, they can find me at uh, Facebook, uh, Kevin M. Connolly, because uh, there's a Kevin Connolly from Entourage, and I'm not him. Thank um, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a lot richer than I am, but that's okay. Oh, well, um, money isn't they, everything. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram under Kevin M. Connolly. Um, my website is kevinmconnolly.net or 315studio.net. They go to the same place. Cool. And uh, say hi. Yeah, cool. There we are. Excellent. Well, thanks for your time. I Definitely. really appreciate it. This has been really fun. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Um, you can find me, as always, on kittybrowndesigns.com. That's where all of my graphic design stuff lives. I'm on Instagram as kittybrownart. I'm on Twitter as kittybrown, and I'm on Facebook as kittybrown. Well, I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review on iTunes. Please review us on iTunes. We still only have three reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog, listen to past episodes on WordPress. Uh, email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your hosts, Michael John Simpson and Kitty Brown. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us everywhere online as Something 2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and WordPress. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. 
We invite your feedback. Please be kind.